Hello, hello, and welcome to another podcast episode of Overpowering Emotions, where I talk all things big emotions, anxiety, emotion regulation. Very excited, as I always am, when I have a guest on my show. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Tanya Winchester. Um, very excited to have her. She's been in practice as a licensed naturopath doctor since 2007, and she's a neurolinguistic programming master coach and practitioner. She uses contemporary brain-based techniques to transform people's minds so that they can transform their lives. She helps women break through burnout, stress, anxiety, pain, and fatigue so that they can find joy and energy again, and ultimately allowing them to create exceptional lives for themselves, their families, and their communities. When she's not transforming lives, she's getting lost and found in the forest, salsa dancing and turning page, um, turning paper, sorry, into pretty things. Her book, Smiling in the Shower, the simple swift way to break through burnout and create happy energized days is now available at her website, tanyawinchester.com. And I will have that in the show notes. So excited to have her today. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Well, good morning, Tanya. Thanks so much for being on my show today. Thank you for having me. I'm very glad to be here. I'm excited as well to have you. It's going to be a very interesting talk um, all about neurolinguistic programming, which is something I'm definitely incorporating more into my work. But why don't we start with you just telling us a little bit about yourself first? Sure. I am a naturopathic doctor. I've been in practice for about 16 years now, and I love helping people create healthy habits so that they can reach their health goals or wellness goals. And what I find interesting is that sometimes that's tricky for people to change their habits. And so the new tools of neuro-linguistic programming have helped me help people change their habits. So I'm a naturopathic doctor who does neuro-linguistic programming to help people change their minds so that they can change their habits and change their lives. That's Incredible. That's awesome. Perfect. Well, why don't we start with telling us a little bit about neuro-linguistic programming for people who might not know what that actually is? Yeah. So the abbreviation is NLP. So if I say that, you'll know what I'm talking about. NLP came out of two gentlemen in the sort of 70s and 80s, and they were observing various therapists and clinicians and coaches. And they were really carefully sort of cataloging and discerning what is effective and what works. And so they've developed this body of knowledge that encompasses some of the best practices of some of the best hypnotherapists and the best family therapists and the best even medical doctors and created this way of approaching people, whether it's in their health, in their relationships, in their business, uh, where the language that's used is very, very specific and speaks directly to the unconscious mind which is the place that we know where all change and healing and learning and growth happens. So using the tools, neuro, mind, linguistics, language, programming, we actually are able to rewire the brains for whatever the success outcome is that the person wants. It's so fascinating. Yeah, the so more we get into some of the neuroscience and things that are happening. So what would be maybe a common um, issue that, you know, a patient would come to you with and sort of the process that you would start doing with this? Yeah. So I see a lot of patients who are what I call stuck in the burnout cycle. And so the burnout cycle is daytime stress, possibly ramping up to anxiety or even panic in some cases, which 
is disrupting the nervous system enough so they're not sleeping. So now that there's restlessness, insomnia, and different sleep disorder patterns, and then they wake up tired and irritable and they're grumpy and they're cranky and they can't take care of themselves because they're tired and they're not able to sort of make these changes. They're stuck in this loop, this, this burnout cycle. And more and more, I think, as people are becoming more trauma-informed, patients will actually come to me and say, I'm sick because of my past pain, because of my trauma. And I think this is a really interesting place in sort of patient general consciousness is that they're becoming very aware that, you know, what's going on currently for them may not be actually the present moment situation. It's something from their past that has set up this automation in their nervous system that drives this sort of trigger habit, this automated response. So anyways, that's who's coming to me. Often the people are very overwhelmed and underwhelmed at the same time. They've got a lot going on. They're not managing their stress well, and they're also very dissatisfied in their life. So this combination of overwhelmed and underwhelmed all at the same time. And what I'll do with people is um, a sit down and sort of do a, a fairly thorough assessment to figure out, you know, what is right at the root cause of what's going on. That's one of the tenets of naturopathic medicine is treat the root cause of illness. And I've got some ideas about what that could be, but in this specific lens of the NLP lens, there's going to be some sort of set of belief systems that is preventing them from in this case, you know, doing the healthy habits, taking care of themselves. And those belief systems were created by the unconscious mind from the past, typically when things occurred that they didn't have the brain development simply to manage or to integrate or to heal from. And so it sets up a way of seeing the world, reacting to the world that isn't potentially the most supportive. And so once we've done this assessment and sort of gotten to the root cause, then we start to do the clearing work that is so beautiful that comes out of NLP. And I actually came to NLP because I thought it would help me become a better marketer. I was just like, I'm going to hypnotize people so that they like, <laughs> buy, buy my stuff. <laughs> um, I did not realize the healing potential of this modality. And there's this beautiful technique called timeline therapy, where we have this opportunity to go back in our timeline and re-experience events in a dissociated way so we're safe from the emotions and the pain of the event but essentially exchange that pain for positive learnings and things that we can bring forward into the future and so we, we begin by clearing negative emotions out of the past we begin by clearing adverse childhood events through this timeline therapy and then we move on to clearing events later on in life and what happens at the end of this process is people no longer access, they just can't, like it's just not available to them neurologically, those old negative emotions. And I'll challenge my clients, like, go and find it, go find that emotion, go put yourself in a situation in the future where, you know, that old thing would have happened and just imagine how you would react now. And they're just like, I'm calm, I'm peaceful. Like they just, they just can't. And frankly, I've been through the process that I take my clients through three times as a client. And having worked with however many clients I've worked with over the last couple of years since being introduced to NLP, like it still blows my mind. It feels so <laughs> magical every time they're like, no, I don't feel the emotion. Like it's gone. Right. And so, so that's what we do is we clear the past uh, using these amazing brain shifting techniques that are gentle and safe and non-triggering, non-re-traumatizing. And then we reconnect people to the good. So often people come to me because they're not happy where they are at and they want to be happier in a different space in their life. 
And we actually build in the neural pathways for joy, for peace, for confidence, for pleasure, for whatever the thing is that they're wanting. So there's a really beautiful therapeutic process. There's this nice arc to the whole thing. And that's the whole thing. You asked me where I began, but I gave you the whole spiel. Well, that's good. And I've got so many questions. I just hope I can remember them all. Um, I guess maybe going right back, you know, if, and I think it, it is good. I mean, when we're looking at trauma, most people have experienced some traumatic event in their life, but looking back at the causes, you know, if we're looking at previous events that have happened to clear away the emotion that's attached to that, that created different patterns. What if someone doesn't know? Yeah. They can't think of, you know, something in their life. Yes. I love that because one of the things that the unconscious mind does, one of the, uh, we call them, uh, well, the convenient assumptions of NLP, the presuppositions of NLP, and there are certain things that we believe about how the unconscious mind works. And one of them is that the unconscious mind will repress emotions or repress events and emotions that are unresolved. And so very commonly, consciously, we don't know these things, right? There's a pattern that isn't working for us in our lives. And we don't intellectually know what the root cause of that is. So that's where the beauty of the language patterns come in. And when I'm asking my clients to sort of find that key event, the way that I pattern the words allows their unconscious mind to just quick, 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 fast, 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 bring up the age that it happened. And they may have zero idea what the actual event is. It may come in super crystal clear. It may come in in a really foggy way. People have memories in different Uh, People remember things and their brains construct thoughts in different ways. Some people are more visual. Some people are more auditory. I'm very auditory. Um, I can remember if I hear a song, I'll know exactly where I was driving when I heard that song the last time. Like I really connect sounds to things. Some people are more kinesthetic. There's a felt sense inside. So basically the way that I ask my questions to my clients, it allows that, uh, that unconscious fast, fast, fast response to just come right up to the surface. And the cool thing about the work is that I don't know what my my patients are or my clients are working on. So it's content free. And I think this is really powerful because we are used to telling a story and that story uh, creates a certain outcome, right? And it's probably the outcome that we're not wanting. So in this work, I don't, I don't know. People are like, it's age three. Great. Go back and, and I'll guide them through the process. I don't know what happened at age three for them. And they may tell me, but they may not. And it's perfectly fine and still very effective without knowing. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think we sometimes get stuck in the content anyways. I know in the, a lot yes. of the work that I do, I try to avoid getting stuck in the content. We might use the content initially, but it's about the process of the work that we yeah. do. So what would be some of those questions? Do you have examples that you're willing to share about how you would, <laughs> some sure. of the questions you'd be asking? Yeah. Yeah. So everything in the process is done based on a permission. So first we always ask a permission question. So uh, when we're starting to clear the emotions, as an example, we clear anger first. That's the first one we go through. And it's one of what we call the big five. (laughs) The first one, the most important. So is it okay for your unconscious mind? By the way, the way that I'm interacting with my clients, we're deep in rapport. So they're, they're not in a hypnotic trance per se, but there is sort of a mild uh, trance state happening. And basically because we're engaging the imagination. And as soon as we do that, we're in a different brainwave state. So there, so we're deep in rapport at this point, when I would ask, ask your unconscious mind, if it's okay for your unconscious mind, for you to release this negative anger of negative emotion of anger today, and for you to be aware of it consciously. And yes, is usually like, I've never heard a no. It's like, yes. 
And then, okay, so we know it's okay to clear the anger, awesome. And then I will ask, what is the root cause of this problem? So the very first event, which when disconnected will cause the problem to disappear. So if you were to know, was it before, during, or after birth? And they'll just answer the question, before. Okay, if you were to know, was it in the womb or before? And they'll say in the womb, like they just know. So even though consciously, they have no clue. <laughs> mm -hmm. Their body mind knows so well what the answer is. And one of the things I just love is this difference between the unconscious mind responding, which is fast, 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 versus the conscious mind, which wants to be clever and right and smart. And those things take time. So anytime someone's like, hmm, I've actually, I don't know if you can see in the back of my little Winnie the Pooh up there. I do. On my yeah. Shelf. yeah, I can see. Think, that. think, think. I'll bring Winnie the Pooh. I'll be like, no, too much thinking. <laughs> Yeah, we want that extemporaneous response that really fast, fast, fast. one. Okay, yeah. so and people know the answers inside, they just don't know them consciously. And mm -hmm. to get into that sort of deep state of, of rapport, are you doing like a guided meditation to get there first or relaxation? Like, how would you get there? Uh, sometimes we'll do some breathing. Sometimes I'll engage people with sort of some of the heart math exercises, bring your awareness into the area of your heart, that kind of thing. But one of the lovely things about uh, NLP is how I'm trained to sort of observe other people and watch what their body posture is doing, what their breathing is doing, and I will match them to get in rapport with them. And that is done so that I can help them to at the deepest level. Right. And that was the, um, when I, when I originally heard about NLP very well, like maybe five, seven years ago, I was like, oh, it's so like, sneaky these like I was just picturing like the sleazy car salesman being like hey like you got this car um but the techniques of how to sort of read people how to understand what their thought processes understand how they're interpreting information based on their body language based on their physiology that's helpful for me as a coach because it allows me to get in that rapport with people you know you'll if you're in a, a room observing people you might notice that suddenly everyone's just kind of sitting in the same posture and they're unconsciously in rapport just through their, their body posture. And so I'll match my people just so that I can, again, sort of allow them to get into that deeper, safe, unconscious space where those healing responses um, and experiences can happen. Right. And that's a huge piece. This is reminding me so much just of different work, whether we're looking at um, the neurological approaches, but really any trauma formed like somatic experiencing. I'm thinking yeah. of Dr. Lev Levine, who yeah. will talk about, let's go back to those. And we are, yeah, looking at the resilience of that moment of that event and being able to experience physiologically what's happening and going yeah. through the different arousal levels or poly sure. polyvagal theory. Like I'm just thinking of so many different things. So then the next piece, once you start reprogramming, what yeah. types of questions would you go through there just so that they're, yeah, no, I'm, I'm unstuck from this pattern. Yeah. So once we've done all the emotions, so we do the clear the big five. What uh, are the big five just yeah. for, for everyone? <laughs> yeah. So in timeline therapy, the first ones we do are anger and then sadness, fear, hurt, and guilt. And then we'll do what we call complex equivalent. So, you know, guilt and shame are going to be coded differently neurologically. So we'll often clear shame as well. We'll clear any in the, the, the first step that I talked about when I'm doing that really thorough assessment, any emotional words that they've said I've written down. And so I will actually ask them if any of those are important. And it's always in the, the context of the goal that they're working on. 
but I'll ask their unconscious mind to prioritize what is the most important next, you know, next important emotion to clear today, such that when cleared, it will have a powerful, positive, beneficial effect on you, your well-being, and your goal. Like I just ask these questions, they'll be like, I need to do fear, or I need to do no, we do fear automatically. I need to do shame, I need to do remorse, I need to whatever it is. Like they'll just know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so once we've cleared the the big five and then any complex equivalents or any emotions relevant to that person or move on to more specific events, which could be ACEs early or, you know, adverse childhood events, or they could be later in life too. Um, But we use timeline therapy to get a list of ages. They'll travel above their timeline and, and, and just recount for me, just, just ages, whether they know what happened at those ages or not. Again, where the way I ask the question is, is, going to allow their unconscious mind just to find the key points in their timeline. Often they're actually blacked out on their timeline. They might not actually see them or connect with them. They might feel numb or sound dull or just any kind of aberrations. I'm just going to get this list of ages and from birth till present. And then we're going to prioritize those events. What's the most important traumatic event to clear today? And like, we just keep allowing their own intelligence their own healing wisdom inside them from their body mind to, to guide us in the process. Okay. Yeah. And I love that because I think, um, I think it's easy for in the past, maybe the past, I think things are transforming for sure in, in healthcare and in, um, in psychological care. And, but there used to be this sort of authoritarian sort of, know doctor patient like I know what's best for you and I don't have a clue what's best for people I will humbly say that I do not know like I know what's good for me and when I'm listening to my body mind I can take care of myself but I can't actually possibly do that for other people so I love that I just get to invite their own wisdom to uh to come forth and that actually really builds a sense of trust for people they really start to believe because they start to get the benefit immediately this you know this is a very quick process that people are like yeah I'm I'm not triggered like I used to be anymore. Like I, I woke up, I wrote a book called smiling in the shower. And, and this woman was just like, my husband caught me smiling in the shower. And I was like, he's like, you never smile. And she's like, I don't know why I was smiling. I was just happy. I'm like that's, that's amazing. Like her, her whole, you know, experience in her world has shifted. Um, I got off track there. I was saying that it's, it's fast work. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Very empowering, obviously as well. It is, too, yeah, right? The trust. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Yes. It builds the trust because People will see the benefit and notice their experience, their their automatic patterns are different. They're no longer going to those same default reactions, those same default habits. And it and it's fast. And so the the ability to listen inside based on these questions that I ask people, yeah, it really builds the self-trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what kinds of questions would you do for clearing? And, and maybe you can pick one of the top five, you know, anger, fear, like what, what kinds of things would you do through that process or ask questions you would ask? Yeah. So once we know that it's okay to clear the anger and once we know the root cause, the age or the moment in time, uh, and this work invites opportunities for lifetime stuff, womb stuff, past life stuff, intergenerational stuff. Again, through the questioning, we can hone in on the exact point where this um, problem emotion as an example came from. So once we know those two things, 
then I guide them through the timeline therapy process, which um, is probably too much to go into on this podcast. But essentially, we go back in time above their timeline. We say dissociated from actually being down in the event in an associated way. And there's sort of key positions in our timeline that we find are really effective to hang out in. And one of them is before the event happened, above and before the event. And I'll ask, I'll prompt them to ask their unconscious mind what basically what they're meant to learn from this. Um, depending on what they say, I might help them reframe them so they're sort of in a really positive format. And then I'll challenge them to, to see if the emotion is there. And they'll be like, well, it's gone. Okay. And they might be like, well, it's gone. Like, ah, yes, it worked again. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, and it's really interesting. So we, you know, if we think about memories and and when we get triggered and we don't know what's driving that trigger, like we we don't, we might not, as we talked about before, sort of be conscious of that, you know, moment when we were three, that's causing me to flare up at my husband when he leaves his dishes on the counters. Like we don't, we don't know what that connection is. Um, But, (laughs) but when we, when we are aware of old memories coming up and then triggering an emotional response, it's like that, that memory isn't clean. Like when it's coming up from the unconscious mind to the conscious mind, it's like, we're not able to, our nervous system isn't able to say, well, that was then this is now like, we're okay. Now everything is safe. Now it's all modeled, right? It, it, it's Mm -hmm. as if it's happening again and we can't, we can't separate. We can't tease out both things, you know, the past and the, present and when we do this timeline therapy work we're able to have the memory be very neutral like I just walked to the store and the emotion comes out of it so now they're able to make a new choice that they didn't have access to before because the emotion was so overwhelming right Mm -hmm. and coming up so automatically but once we clear the charge the emotional charge out of those old events they have more options available to them that they didn't have before Right. In, in terms options, in terms of how they're responding yes, to exactly. the event. Yeah. Okay. That's right. That's right. And so moving forward, you know, I always look at the skills that are being used and sort of solution focused, how do yeah. we um, maintain, but also continue to thrive and, and make gains, you know, yeah. after, after we do some of this work, I don't know if you have any comments around yeah. the skills that, that we're building and just how we can continue to thrive after. Yes, I love that because we've been mostly talking about the past. Uh, so we get this, we get to this point in the process after we've cleared everything out of the past. And again, I'm asking people, is there anything else that we need to clear? Anything else? And no, no, we're good to move on. So then we start to reconnect to the good and reestablish throughout our entire timeline. Actually, we'll re-implant positive emotions into our timeline because they were there, they existed, but we just they might have been overshadowed because of the hurt from the past. Our brain has a negativity bias for survival. So we're focusing on those negative events so that we- That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. That's right. So once we've sort of cleared the negative out of the past, there's this vacancy, right? (laughs) So we we go back and we build in the things that they're wanting to experience and feel. And then we start looking in the very present moment and out into the future. So what is it that you're actually working towards? And how can we align your values so that you're going to be driven and motivated to work towards that thing? So the second half of the process that I take people through is about hedonism, feeling pleasure in the present moment, 
uh, not in an irresponsible way, but in a, in a really conscious and intentional way. And then setting up, you know, simple and realistic and achievable, but also stretchy goals that they can work towards on a day-to-day basis. And people were like, oh, I just want to be happy. I hear this all the time. I just want to be happy. But that's not a goal. I could show you a picture of a puppy and you'd be happy. You know, that's a state that we can change in any given moment. So what is it that you're going to show up for every day that you're going to consistently build a habit around that's going to take you to a place where you can say, ah, I got this thing. I reached this goal. So that's what we work on in the second half of the process. So, and so maybe uh, if you have an example of how you sort of implant the positive emotions, when we go back through that timeline, how would you do that? Yeah. So very similar to the same script of the negative, except I'll say something like, is it okay for your unconscious mind for you to reconnect to joy today and for you to be aware of it consciously? And they say, yes. And so what is the root cause of this positive emotion? So the very first event, which when reconnected will allow your, um, uh, will allow you to feel the emotion easily and effortlessly. Again, these sort of like prompts in the language that allow their unconscious mind to just, okay, we know what's happening, right? So then we'll take them back. And this time, instead of being dissociated, we go right into the event. We go right into that first root cause of joy. And we let them experience that joy and really embody that joy and really just, yeah, be in that moment of it. And then we allow them to move forward on their timeline, carrying that joy throughout all the events. And in that, we're, yeah, allowing those neural pathways to remember joy throughout the entire timeline into the present moment as well. Okay. And so I imagine you, you talk about the mind body, um, very Eckhart Tolle too. I'm, I'm just thinking oh. of all these different influences that, um, here, but so I imagine there is some sort of somatic experiencing type things that are happening in these moments. Um, for some, if they're more kinesthetic people, they will be having a more sort of felt sense. Some people, like I said, are more visual. They're just going to have it's like a movie playing in their mind. Right. Right. Um, but I'm watching, right. I'm watching their body language and I'm watching their breathing and I'm making sure that they are in a parasympathetic state. Mm-hmm. And if ever there's an ab reaction, if they start to, you know, have an emotional arousal of any kind, like I've got tools to kind of bring them back down into that parasympathetic. So we're, it's this constant sort of and by this point in the process, like by the time we're reconnecting to the good, they're not having it. <laughs> they're, they're not having it. Sometimes people might, because it's a new process to them when we're first clearing anger, which is the first emotion that we clear. Sometimes they might get, you know, they might drop down into the event and I guess, nope, go back up over your timeline. So I'm always watching to make sure like if they start to get, you know, scowly or if their breathing gets faster, I, I know that something is, they're, they're probably not in the right place in the timeline. So I'll move them, um, well, suggest them to move up. To the right place. Yeah. Okay. Is there ever a time that you would work in the sympathetic arousal when they're starting to get just to learn how to sort of manage those? Or is it about teaching them to come out? Yeah. Of the- We're really trying to change the patterning, right? They spend so much time in the sympathetic yeah. that we don't need to teach them how to do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is really about re re-experiencing things in a new way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for habits, what sorts of habits would people like common ones that, you know, especially if we're looking at stress and burnout, what would be some common habits that people are working towards? Exercise and eating well tend to be the big categories. Yeah. There's also things like hydration and 
rest, getting to bed on time, getting enough rest, and then more of the relationship emotional ones like setting better boundaries, communicating more effectively. And those are all things that I would attempt to help people with as a naturopathic doctor before I had these tools. And I'd say, well, like, this is what you need to do, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like go away and be like, it's hard. Like, yeah, eating your broccoli is hard, I guess, but it's not right. It's just those, it's a habit. And if they're neurologically primed for a different habit because of how they've lived their life thus far, based on those old patterns, it's really tricky to wake up and go to the gym every day. It's, it's hard. Like I can, I can appreciate changing those habits is hard and we're going to default to what's comfortable, right? So even though it may not be the most health promoting and self-affirming habit, it's comfortable and we want to hang out in comfort, right? Especially if we've had a painful past, that may be the only place where we have comfort. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yes, I was, but I'd say food and exercise are the big ones. And, and for everybody, that's going to look different. They may be working towards a certain health or fitness goal, in which case, okay, we'll build in more specific um, strategies. Some people, they just want to um, be active just for the sake, you know, just for their own vitality, in which case, okay, we'll, we'll modify that and do that a bit differently. Um, But those would be common ones, habits. Yeah. yeah. The things that we know are good for our health, but is yeah. a lot of people just struggle to do. We've created this quick fix society, right? Just give yes. me a pill to make me feel better. Yes. And, but really it does come back down to those sort of foundational things. Yeah. I mean, the, the formula for wellness is not hard, right? When we really boil it down, we have to eat well, drink well, move well. We have to poo well, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we need to think well, you know, and emote well, I feel like I'm missing one or two of the things that I would typically say. Breathe, we need to breathe well and and play well. I would encourage other, you know, that would be part of my sort of lifestyle super seven. But those things are hard. Yeah, absolutely. Creating new habits. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kids, I mean, I work yeah. with kids and a lot of listeners do have kids or work with, with children, would this approach be suitable and, or, you know, what, what sort of adaptations would you do if any? I'm currently in the process of figuring that out actually. Okay. Okay. So I, I believe it would work really well, but I don't know yet how it would be structured differently Mm -hmm. Uh, because it's such an imagination-based experience process, therapeutic approach. I think kids would be awesome at it because kids are just the the royalty of imagination, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if the questions would be slightly different. I don't know if the, the, if we would have to go so much into the future. So like if it, I don't, I don't know. I, so I actually have a, a client she was a patient first as a naturopathic patient and then became a client and did some of this brain-based coaching work. Uh, her daughter is um, dealing with some of the same struggles, sort of anxiety and insomnia that the mom was dealing with. Um, and she's like, can, can we have help for my daughter? And I was like, I, I want to find this out for you. So I'm currently in the process of, of answering that question for myself. Yeah. I can let you know later. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Well, I do. I mean, I, I working with the kiddos that I do, I find 
I am working on the interoceptive awareness so much more with them because they don't have that connection with their body at all. Like they just have such a hard time with it. And so it's a lot of experiential things that I'm doing with them first, just to be able to be like, oh, I can pay attention because I'll say, what does your nose feel like? I don't know. It's just my nose. It's just normal. Right. So I, I do a lot of experiential things just so that they can start tapping into that first. That's a huge first step. But it's so important because I think we do dissociate so much without even realizing it, you know, and, and just so out of whack, you know, even kids who don't even realize they have to go to the bathroom and last second they're running to the bathroom. So just kind of getting in touch with that. Any contraindications, you know, where, where this might not work or any clients that just, there's one barrier after another that was sort of getting Mm. in the way. Mm. Um. I think the biggest barrier that I come across, and I, I sort of screen for this when I'm interviewing clients to see if they'd be a good fit, but people who are very clear about what they're moving away from, well, I don't want to feel this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to react this way. I don't want to have this experience. And they can't actually, even for a moment, imagine what could be on the other side of the resolution. Um, so, so they're very move away from, in terms of moving away from pain, they're very clear on what they're wanting to get clear of, but they're, they don't have a sense, can't get a sense of where they want to go. That's really hard for me because, because the NLP work is so solution focused, right? It's, it's not about dwelling about what happened over here. It's like, let's get you to the place and take all the hurdles down that are, you know, are going to allow you to get to where you want to go. So that would be sort of from a. Uh, and, and I don't think those people are not helpable. I, they, they might need sort of other things before to sort of unlock that ability to kind of imagine a future for themselves. And once that's true and real for them, then I would, you know, it would, it would work out just fine. Um, from a, from a sort of medical point of view, there's no contraindications, I would say, because it's such a safe, you know, dissociated approach. Uh, even people with the most serious and severe traumatic past can benefit from this work just because of how it's structured. And the nice thing about it is it's it's so fast. Within about three weeks, people have overcome their problem. Mm-hmm. And my teacher and trainer, uh, an NLP trainer, works primarily with people with PS, uh, PTSD and to the point where they're not able to work, they're not able to maintain relationships you know, the most extreme version of this that we would think about. And within the first, so I'd say within eight hours of time, which happens in about two to three weeks, like condensed time, they don't have access to those traumatic experiences anymore. They can remember them factually, but they're not creating an emotional reaction from those events anymore. And it, so it's fast. And so I... I you know, I, the idea of spending years and years and years in, in say talk therapy as an example, it's just like, it breaks my heart. It's like, we can get people through their problems so quickly with the right tools. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always saying that to you, you know, we should be seeing progress immediately really in in a lot of the work that we do. Um, just not knowing kind of where we want to go. Right. Um, Because does it have to be, I guess my question is, does it have to be a behavioral piece? Mm. Because, Mm. you know, I I would say if I don't want to feel, let's say anger anymore, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
that's the diving board to be like, okay, well, I just want to feel like, what would the opposite be forgiving, yes. forgiving maybe. So would it be, would that be enough or would it be a behavioral sort of smart goal um, that we would work towards? Yeah. I love that. So, so going from say angry to forgiving is that example of, well, that's just a change in emotional state, which we can, we, we have tools that we can do that in 30 seconds. Like I can change someone's state so fast. So that wouldn't be a, a goal. That wouldn't be something that they'd be working towards. But one way that I'll approach this with people, if they are kind of being a bit stuck, what are three to five behaviors right. that you want to be doing that you're not able to do now? And they'll know, well, I want to be running every day. I want to be like, they, they know I want to be, you know, being more kind and compassionate with my kids. Like they, they know <laughs> right. what it okay. is. So we just have to frame the question in a way that accesses that part of them that knows. So yes, that, that, what would, and we call that evidence. That's our evidence procedure in this work. What are the behaviors that are going to be our, you know, our key points that we're like, oh yeah, your problem's solved because you're doing these things now and you weren't doing those things before. Right. Yeah. It's very, I, I'm reminded of the miracle question in solution focused therapy where we're, you know, if this miracle happened, what would you be doing? It's not about how you're yes, feeling the next exactly. day. It's what would you be doing? And so if I was a fly or a documentary camera, yes, what would I notice in your interactions with others? What would you right. be doing differently? So yeah, I just wanted to clarify that. And yeah, that's you did, perfect. You did mention that it's not about the goal isn't about the feeling, but I just yeah. wanted to you know, make sure we made that explicit. And there'll be feelings connected to those behaviors. Of course, that's what Absolutely. is going to drive us is that desire for the feeling, but the, it's the behavior, the observables that are really key. And that's exactly it. It's like, if I was watching a movie of your life, how would you be behaving if you were feeling more happy, more energetic, more peaceful? What would I see you doing? How's your breathing? How's your posture? How are you talking to people? What, you know, even what are you wearing? Where are you situated? Like all those details. And we can actually paint a pretty vivid picture, which then their unconscious mind has something to, to move towards. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is fantastic. I think it would be, you know, we could talk forever, even just doing a a sample of, you know, what this sort of looks like, but we should probably wrap up there. Is there any last minute points that we didn't cover that you think is really important for people to know? I think the pep talk at the end here is that I keep, yeah, I keep referring to our systems as the body mind. I think our body minds are so intelligent in naturopathic medicine. One of the other key tenets is that every organism has this self-healing ability. And so I want to yeah, leave watchers, listeners with this, that your body knows how to heal. It can, and it wants to, you just need to put the right circumstances in place for that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's so true. Wonderful. Well, I do have all your information in the show notes, but anything um, that you want to say, you know, if listeners want to get in touch with you and find out more about you, where's the best place for them to go? Sure. My website is tanyawinchester.com. It's T-O-N-I-A. And that actually is my book page, the Smiling in the Shower book page. So that's a really good sort of intro of this marriage of naturopathic medicine and these lifestyle habits and these healthy way of livings. And then this sort of brain-based NLP stuff, a, a beautiful sort of, uh, yes, uh, helpful book about how those things can be useful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me.